Yo, what's up? Welcome to the OKB's podcast, episode 13. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adioye. Joining me this week is Ian Prichel. What's up, Ian? What's up? Dude, for a second, I thought we lost you. I, want- I was like, are you, to get- <laughs> are you kidding me? I wanted to see how long it would be before... I, if I like didn't say anything before you like broke character, and then I could just come back and be like, "Oh, hey, I was here the whole time." <laughs> I probably would have had a breakdown because I feel like this week has been has been putting a lot of like, not stress, but well, maybe mini stress on me Why because stress? of the moving. And I feel like I've been trying to like I've been trying to do a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. and I've been front loading them to the front of the week so that I have the back of the week to just focus on moving because I'm oh. I'm moving to a different area of Seattle, and so like. I've been I I have almost all of the next Wired video done, except now I don't I don't really like the video anymore because <laughs> yesterday I watched I watched one of Raj Former's video videos on like No Man's Sky and I was like crap I suck and I had to let and I I after this video I want to go back to the drawing board and then try and step step it up another level, um, but yeah I got a lot of Wired done I um, worked on some extra life stuff some extra life promotion extra life i'm working um, on something formatting like that and stuff Ooh. and so are you doing extra life no i'm doing the poster oh yeah you are doing the poster mm. uh which actually i'm really glad for because i was i started to do one and then it just looked trash <laughs> it looked like some straight up like you know how black black people make some promotional stuff and they just go way over the top to the point that it looks uh lo- looks low quality Mm, sometimes like or just in general anyone does something overdone but sure make it about well, black yeah. people sure <laughs> I, w- I wanted i wanted to get you to agree so that i can call you racist but no <laughs> like yeah not this time <laughs> not this time like if you look up like like a rap battle on youtube and then they have like the like the insane production where like just everything just overproduced but then you're like man this is overproduced to the point where it just feels kind of like weird but uh that's how my graphic looked and so i scrapped it uh, and so I'm glad you're taking it on because I think you do a better job because you're you're an actual artist and stuff. Oh, I just take oh, Google images and get then put filters on them and then put words on them. You're That's an artist too. You're an editor. Editors are artists. Yeah. Did you know that I actually I majored in graphic design for one semester in college, my first semester in college. And I can guarantee and you I that was a... probably the worst semester of your fucking life. It oh, was wait, actually sorry, pretty no, decent. Damn it! I'm sorry. I'm trying to not curse less because of Luke Cage. So I'm I'm going to use this podcast as a testing bed to try and speak for one hour less. without cursing. One hour without cursing. <laughs> well, we'll restart the clock. But my first semester in college, I took a uh, graphic or I didn't I didn't take any graphic design class. So I did take art history, which was really interesting. I fell asleep through most of it, but for what I didn't fall asleep for, it was interesting. Hmm. And I took drawing, which I got a D in. And um, that's when I stopped. That's when I was like, I'm switching my major to communication because there's no way I can feel communication. Uh, OK Beast is a brand dedicated to games, culture, and looking at how games fit within our culture. The OK Beast podcast is a gaming-centric show where a couple of friends come together and talk about what's going on in our world. If you like that, subscribe to us on your podcast service of choice. Visit OKBeast.com and follow at OKBeastNow on Twitter. If you'd like, you can rate us on iTunes. Um, please do, because I still think we have zero ratings. Um, I think we have one rating, actually, because I rated us. I gave us a five, because I think we deserve it. Uh, you should check out our YouTube also, youtube.com slash a bunch of letters and numbers, because we don't have a, our own URL yet, because we need 100 subscribers for that. So, yeah, subscribe to us on YouTube so we can get our own URL. And, yeah, that's about it. Uh, Ian. 
Yeah. You're supposed to respond and be like, what, or something, or yeah. I said, yeah, what's up? You didn't give me enough time. You were just like, Ian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. What have you been up to this week, Ian? Um, I, so last week, I took a, like a, a small hiatus from games, and I wasn't really playing that much, because uh, I, are we allowed to talk about personal things on this, or no? Does it really matter? Yeah, you can. So yeah, you I, go ahead. I recently started dating someone. And she's in uh-huh. she's in the room right now. Um, but oh yeah, uh, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so she's a huge video game nerd, and that's how we originally connected. But uh, like we just have been like hanging out a lot, and we've been really busy. And I haven't really had that much time to play games. Uh, so this week, I told I told her and I told myself that I was going to spend like a small chunk of time playing video games, one hundred percent, and like try and get back into it. Uh, so I played Transformers Devastation. Uh, amazing such a good game so far i'm like i think three hours in four hours in really good uh nice so i'm playing that i'm playing persona 5 uh because uh my girlfriend knows japanese and i told her i was like oh hey uh like you should check this game out do you know this game and she goes no what is it and i showed her persona 5 and then there's an anime that's out for persona 5 in japan and she watched that and she's like oh yeah let's play that game and i was like "Uh uh-oh like I was I was nervous because it's it's it was actually one of my original uh, topic ideas uh, was like introducing someone to your favorite video game franchise and like how do you do that like in a nice way and like what if they hate it and like what do you do and hmm. like I was so paranoid that she didn't like it or was like just liking it because I like it like like almost every day I would be like hey so like uh, do you want to play Persona today she's like oh yeah yeah let's play it I was like we don't have to if you don't want to it's okay. And she's like, no, 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 I want to play. And I was like, but are you sure? Like, I was always so paranoid that she was only enjoying it because of me. Meanwhile, as I'm saying this, she's like looking right at me. Uh, and and then the other thing I did was uh, played the Overwatch Halloween update, which has been... Have you been playing that at all or no? I played one match one casual match and i stopped because i realized that i don't i don't really like playing overwatch if i'm not playing with people i know Same. and i think that's because i've been spoiled after a while after playing with yeah. people i know for so long yeah. i just can't go back to playing with randoms and so i stopped playing even though i think i played the um i did play one match of the brawl which is actually like really good yeah that, that's uh, actually the only thing that i was playing I, I i opened up overwatch and again my girlfriend likes video games but she she enjoys like again Japanese centric games, which are more like uh, more RPGs and uh, things of that nature. A lot of mobile games. So again, still paranoid about showing her this these games that I enjoy. So I showed her like the characters in Overwatch, and she really liked Diva, uh, and she liked uh, like all these other characters as well. More of like the girlier characters. She likes Mercy. Uh, so I let her play the or let her. Uh, I suggested that we play the Overwatch new uh, Horde mode essentially. And she really enjoyed it, and it was really fun. And then I played some, and it was a really good time. I think it is a good, solid mode. I think they should keep it for sure. Yeah, I saw a Kotaku article. I saw I saw it was titled that um, Blizzard should just keep the the new brawl, they, just have it be a permanent thing. I didn't read the article, so like, but I yeah, I don't think they'll keep. I don't think they'll keep it, but I do think it'd be a good idea for them to do something similar and like make it a permanent fix, like a PVE kind of thing kind yeah. of situation and like make it like maybe like three or four or five different ones uh different scenarios and i think that would be a really cool cool thing it'd be a pretty cool way to like flesh out the game more and kind of extend it more um 
Oh. So yeah, I think that'd be pretty yeah. dope. I mean, this they're essentially following the same archetypes or same um, progression path that um, what was the game that came out before this on Steam? Team Fortress the, 2. The ex- like they're oh, following yeah. the exact same pathing is that it was a multiplayer only game that focused on characters. They had small vignettes of the characters to describe what they did and who they were in the world, and then they started to add more weapons, and then they added different game types. And this, this different game type is very similar to. Uh, I think it's called Man versus Robot or Man versus Man M A N N. So they kept that game mode mm-hmm. after the fact, and it wasn't a Halloween thing. It was a, uh, it was a just a mode they added randomly. So I can see them keeping it if there's enough like positive spin on it. But at the same time, I can see them being like, no, it's only a monthly thing. You play it now or you don't. Because Lucio Ball was was so like people Luce? people were on that like super hard and and were they? I think so. Because I. F- I, I played it once and I was like, this kind of sucks. But that's also because there's Rocket League uh, that I play a lot. And that one is, it's like the same kind of deal, except Rocket League is quality. And Lucio Ball is supposed to be like kind of a parody of Rocket League a little bit. Yeah. And I feel it's, like it's Lucio like Ball wasn't as fun like to play. Same. Yeah. Even the ball looks the same. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think it's that's what they're going for. Um, but I also think they could they wouldn't be able to make that one a permanent fixture because it is a parody of Rocket League, and so like, it's like if they too made similar, it thing, yeah, 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 I can yeah, see that. that people yeah, being like, it'd be a bad look. Mm, wait a minute. Uh, but actually, I I hope that like in the coming months they have enough of these game types that they have just like a another box on the main screen that has like it's like random game, and you can play the man versus robot or the the Junkensteins revenge gameplay, or you can play. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucio Ball, or you can play, I don't know, Diva, Diva Hockey, or something. I don't know. I'll think of something else. Mm-hmm. But like, imagine like cool. there's like five or five to eight game modes that you just repeat over and over again, and it's like random select, kind of like in in Halo Three, where you could choose a random playlist essentially, and then go down there. Uh, the thing is, I don't know how I'd feel about that because the only one of them that I liked that I probably would play. Uh, would want to play is the the Junkenstein one that's out right now, because it, it because it is like you're you're fighting enemies and it's horde mode essentially. Yeah. And like I think that I mean horde mode in any game is pretty fun, but then like if if I go into a playlist and I don't know what I'm gonna get and me and my friends just feel like playing horde mode and it comes up with Lucio Ball, yeah. then I, it'd be kind of upsetting. Yeah, I can see uh, that being annoying. But I'm just saying, in theory, like if there were a bunch yeah. of really good game modes, like a solid five good game modes besides Lucio Ball, and you could just go yeah. into a random select, that'd be pretty cool. Um, and then yeah, or even yeah. like make it a custom match thing. I think that'd be mm, pretty mm, cool too. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, so, oh yeah, and then the last thing I did was uh, I've been yeah, every week, no matter what, even if I don't play a lot of games, I always end up watching a bunch of TV because I put it on in the back while I draw or while I do other stuff. And I finished Luke Cage this week, and I've also been watching uh, The Flash on CW, and I've also been watching a bunch of other shows. But you watched Luke Cage as well. Yes. And actually, last week, uh, and we can probably get into it now, uh, but last week I talked about Luke Cage with Raj Former a bit, but we did it spoiler-free. Who's that? And I said, uh, Raj Former is, is, he's just a kid. Uh, Some kid. But this week, we're going to do um, I'm kidding, Roger. We love you. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, Ro- Roger knows that we that we love him because i i geek out over his videos but well not only is he talented i was <laughs> you had mentioned to him to me i think in the past and i, I looked at his videos and i l- listened to the podcast as, as i was on the way to work and i have yet to meet anyone or hear anyone's voice online and just be like wow like gosh darn it that boy is very pleasant like 
he took me back to the 1940s, and I was like, gosh darn it, Bessie, that boy sure is pleasant. Like, Sweet Christmas. Sweet Christmas. Yeah, it was like such a strange phenomenon. I was just like smiling from ear to ear, and I was like, wow, what a nice guy. And I had never met him. Do you get that mm. vibe as well? Or like you talk to him. Do you have that like same similar vibe? Uh, I don't know. I think it's because I, 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 I watched his videos before I actually interacted with him. And so, like, Alex O'Neill told me about Rochformer, like, months ago. And I checked out his stuff. And then a little bit after I checked out Rochformer's stuff, Rochformer then followed me on Twitter uh, and messaged me. And then, like, we kind of had had some back and forth. And so, like, I already knew how he sounded and stuff. And even when he came on the show, I was like, I already, I already knew what to expect when I heard him. And so I didn't really I didn't really get that. But he is, like, a pleasant-sounding individual. I think I actually got that more with you than with, like, really? than with anyone else. Yeah. Because like I I would interact with you on Twitter and stuff, and I and I'd be like, okay, well, Ian is probably like this. The I don't even know what I what I expected of you, but then I heard then I heard you, and I was like, oh, he seems pleasant. Like <laughs> he seems all right. From, the audio from of my actually voice is pleasant. You. Well, because on yeah. Twitter I'm all expletives or I'm all like weird anime references. So I imagine like when people go from he, like seeing the f word a hundred times, uh, and then like me referencing random anime, and then hearing me like sound like a normal human being they're like oh okay that's different all right and yeah. I, speaking of alex o'neill and rod former i feel like they're so they're like polar opposites within the same scope of human being like both love video games are very similar in their opinions both make videos but one is like this hyper pleasant person like hell yeah and you can tell that he's like that because he's young and then you have alex o'neill who's like who's like been in this in 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 the trenches for so long he's like yeah this is how it is i'm sorry but this is how it is yeah. like it's just so yeah, funny essentially like the difference i don't know if it's like a personality type thing or if it's like an age thing but like you could just see like intense beaming optimism and happiness and on the other side you have like real realness and like an inability to to waver on a singular opinion it's it's very interesting like adult to child differential yeah i got i got i got that feel the first time i podcasted with alex o'neill Cause it was kind of it was, I didn't really expect it, but it was a little bit intimidating. I feel like when I when I first podcasted with him on um, Alex Van Aken's podcast, mm. and Alex O'Neill was just like so well spoken and so like chill and so like and he seemed very knowledgeable and, and knew what he was talking about. And then like, but then like yeah, last week I podcasted with Raj Former, who's another guy who's like really talented, but yeah, it's like almost on the other spectrum of like this kid. This dude is seventeen, and like, but he's a very talented guy. Uh, and like I don't know how long he's been making videos and doing what he's been doing, um, or even playing games. But like he, he seemed he he was energetic in a way that was, that was pretty pleasant and pretty inviting. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, this week we're talking about Luke Cage, uh, and we're doing it spoiler filled for the probably the next five minutes. And so if you're listening right now uh, to the MP3, uh, which is the only way to listen to it, and so. If you're listening to the audio, if you're listening and to you this don't want to hear house, Luke Cage, <laughs> if you're listening, if you're outside my door right now listening to me, leave and come back. But no, if you're listening to this on the audio, skip forward five minutes from now. Uh, and if we're still talking about Luke Cage, I'll tell you to skip forward another five minutes. And so, um, yeah, starting now, we're talking about Luke Cage spoilers. Uh, what do you think of it, Ian? Uh, I loved it. In in, do you want the short form or the long form? Uh, short form. What are you? Because we talked about it last week. Are so. bags back there? What are you doing? Are you creating a new bag economy over there? Wait, are you talking to me or are you no, talking? No, I'm to talking to my to... girlfriend. This is oh, okay. This is a new. Actually, this is a bit. I don't have a girlfriend. I'm just talking to myself. 
What are you doing? That'd be amazing if like she was in your mind. <laughs> I, and because so, always oh, I always wonder that like when I when I'm talking to people that like are in another place and they claim to know somebody or they claim to have a girlfriend or somebody. Like my sister claims that she's very good friends with this old Chinese woman named Gui, this like 80 year old Chinese oh, woman. Oh my god. And she my sister used to visit her all the time at the library and, and claimed like, oh yeah, do you Gui did this, Gui did that. Uh Gui's been telling me these things. I think Gui thinks that she's gonna die soon. Like all she tells me what she tells us all hell? these stories about her about her Chinese friend Gui, her 80 year old Chinese friend Gui that she knew from the library in Illinois. And we, I, my, me, and some of, some other friends would always be like, um, "Sure, sure, she exists. We believe you." Yeah. Uh, Turns out it, your it's sister has multiple though. personality disorder or something. I wouldn't be surprised. It's so funny. Actually, I, I, I also have the the microphone set on new settings, so I'm hearing way more than I normally do because I I have my own voice being pumped through my headphones to make sure I don't sound strange. But I, it's also picking up things behind me. So she'll like open up a small bag very slowly and be like, "What? Huh?" Oh yeah, and I was like, this is a very interesting this podcast. Is a, this is a new. Sound. This is a new bit. This is gonna be a whole new bit yeah. where, where my girlfriend just, just FYI, does we're shit. like a minute into our five minute spoiler cast. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. A minute and a half. Okay. In, so, into our five minutes. So yeah. So the the short of it is, I loved it. Obviously, it, it had its problems. All the Netflix shows have problems in a certain degree. Um, just for transparency, I guess, uh, I really liked Daredevil and Daredevil season two. I didn't like Jessica Jones as much. I thought it was a good show, but I didn't enjoy, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I wasn't like raving about it, uh, because it includes a character to me, at least that I felt was, was harder to, to get behind kind of similar to like a breaking bad scenario where the character is their own worst enemy. And that kind of made it hard for me to enjoy the character uh there's i could talk about that <clears throat> i could talk about that for like an hour why i didn't like yeah. Jessica Jones. and i think we can go back and forth about that because i like i i've i've told i've talked to you about this before but like i i actually i, I love the character of jessica jones like, oh you yeah, know i love the character. character for sure but the show for okay. me it did, there was one moment distinctively where uh the character of nuke the blonde guy who was dating trish at the time do you remember mm-hmm. the scene I guess like yeah. mini spoilers for for Jessica Jones. I mean, we've like, already we, we well, yeah, Jessica Jones spoilers. So okay, so there's Marvel a, Cinematic Universe, Netflix Universe spoilers. Yeah. So then Doctor Strange comes out of the closet and he's like, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" No, um, so <laughs> so there's a scene where they're all in the apartment and then Nuke, the blonde ga- guy character. I don't know if they ever called him Nuke, but the blonde dude walks out and he goes, "Hey, they're they're trying to make a plan. The two of them, a radio show host and a girl who's like barely a detective, and is a is a drunk mm-hmm. like like." essentially a character that has no right to make any plan and then this army guy walks out and he's like this hey. crazy army guy well he's not crazy at the time he's a little bit aggressive but he, he he's he's, he's, he's a six strikes, foot three white dude like he's an most idiot. of them are like off the bat it was pretty it's i think it was apparent though that like off the bat like he, he was, was emotionally like, unstable not yeah. stable 100 yeah. percent. but but if you think about it he also was had the mind control stuff happened to him the same exact stuff that that jessica claims like messes with her mental and stuff the same exact thing happened to him and this was after he he had already had ptsd from war so mm-hmm. just keep that in mind obviously um so he walks in he's like hey listen i was uh like a dark army soldier or whatever like he he was like i was a part of the army i know all these things i'm i'm very good with tactical stuff and they the, both the girls are like um no even trish who they, they literally just had sex like you have, have enough trust to let him back into your apartment but you don't have enough trust to let him make a tactical plan to to kill someone like 
that just that just like irked me to the point where I was like, dude, like just defend your point more, and then the the series would have been over. Like, there's a distinct scene, and this is like when the plan comes to fruition, where he has the gun out on Kilgrave, and then Jessica stops him. And I was like, just, just kill him. He's a, he's a, a psychopath. He can control people with his mind. He could kill everyone right now in this like town square. Just kill him. He's, he's a walking nuclear attack. And that's like I think in episode four or five. And the show goes on for like seven episodes or six episodes after that. And I was like, oh my god, stop, please. And it was just, I guess there was like a, a symptom of the show is that there was a, there's a character that no matter how strong they are, no matter how like hard headed they are, like. Sometimes it takes a cool and level head and and self-confidence and the ability to overcome your own issues to have a plan work. But for me, I was just like, oh, come on, dude. Oh, geez. Come on. Stop. Like, they captured him like seven times in that show. Mm-hmm. Hold up. It's been five minutes. If you're still listening and you don't want the spoilers, uh, skip forward another five minutes. I'm sorry. Go on. I'm sorry. Oh, um, are you good? Yeah. No, but yeah, that just bothered me because it was like, they caught him. No, they didn't. They caught him. No, they didn't. Oh, they caught him. But turns out that was a part of the plan. You know, like, I was like, oh, my God, please stop. Um, but this is, okay, I promise this is relating to Luke Cage. So the problem with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage is that they have what I call U- YouTube video syndrome. <clears throat> and I think I mentioned this to you before. And it's, I don't know if it's a symptom of media now or if it's just, like, how these shows are made. Uh, but the beginning of these shows always is really solid. Like, really great intro, great premise, great character introductions. And then, like, about halfway through, it just kind of starts to fall apart or the concept starts to become less novel. And I call it YouTube video syndrome because you'll see so many YouTube videos nowadays where it'll be where it'll be starting off really well. You're like, wow, this is a really well-produced video. It's got a good, you know, beginning, good good hook. And then, like, towards the end, it'll kind of fall off. And that's why a lot of videos on YouTube now are only, like, 10 minutes long. Because producing long-form content on YouTube is kind of more difficult to do, especially if you're a small yeah. team. I mean, I think that's more because people's attention spans are shorter. kind of linger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like also after one seven of the minutes. why, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm saying even for these shows, too, is, like, I, I would love to see a metric on how many people finish YouTube's or not YouTube, um, Netflix series beginning to middle to end. So, but but either way, I love the show. I have a bunch of notes here, but I want to hear what your thoughts were. So, I, re- I really like the show. Uh, I still think I like Jessica Jones the best out of all the Netflix Marvel shows. Uh, but I did really like Luke Cage. I mentioned last week uh, my issue with, like, it trying to be a black show but not i in my feelings not necessarily succeeding like it was trying too hard to be a black show instead of being a black show mm-hmm. and i still haven't like looked at the list of writers and directors and stuff and so i assume that a, probably the bulk of them are probably white and they probably have like a couple black ones but no the showrunner is did, black the showrunner is black yeah the showrunner and i think i think them i might don't misquote me here but i think the majority of the writers are black okay well i'll go i i gotta go back and check because it felt it felt it felt uh, like a white guy being a black guy being a white guy being yeah, a black exactly. guy. Yeah, exactly. It didn't yeah, feel yeah. it and I think made part of that was probably cuz it was trying to fit in the Netflix universe. Um yeah. and also like I don't know is like I said this last week and I don't know if I, I I think you already listened last week so you already heard this but I like did, I did. parts where the girl uh Missy Stone would be like, "Oh yeah, I remember listening to Shook Ones on the radio" or like or just like some overtly like trying to be super black um references uh like the 
much of the show took place in a barbershop. It was actually cool. I had no problems with that. But, like, stuff where, yeah, it was just trying to be, it was, tr- it was trying rather than just being. That mm. kind of stuff took me out of it a lot. But the hip-hop stuff I thought was really cool. Uh, I tweeted this, but, like, the the uh, 12th episode with, uh, was it RZA? One of the, one of the rappers, um, I think it was RZA. Some some rapper. Oh, Method was Man. Was in that show. Method Man. Method Man. Yeah, yeah I don't know why I was thinking it was. RZA. I like how you're like, Method yeah, like I, it wasn't black enough, or it was black, but it wasn't too black. And you're like, what was that rapper? That big important rapper? No, like but you're no, like that's criticizing at, like, its blackness, and then it's like, fuck, wait, what was this in very? Important well, no, I'm criticizing. <laughs> I'm criticizing. I'm criticizing it trying to be black, but no, I appreciate it trying. I'm, I appreciate it as an homage to hip hop mm. more than I appreciate it as a show that's trying to be black because the hip hop stuff I thought it pulled off very well. And that's like, I mean, the hip hop stuff stuff isn't a thing that's like present in many black shows. Um, like in Martin, you don't see like a huge Biggie poster on the wall and stuff. Yeah. Uh, which I thought that was really cool. Uh, in in Luke Cage, and I thought like the music choice was really cool. Jidenna in episode in the, one of the early episodes is really cool. Uh, that stuff I really appreciated, and even like in episode twelve, uh, the fact that they're on, they had Sway on and like Sway's crew. That was and amazing. On Sway in the morning that and Method was Man was doing that amazing. stuff. Amazing. As that someone was from the Northeast, favorite. oh my god, I was like, yo, yeah. Like I listened to Sway in the morning. I'm like from that New York, New Jersey area, and like I, when that scene happened, I was like, yo, oh my yeah. god, this is so fucking meta. That oh, was wait, my dude, absolute favorite part sorry. of the show. I cursed. That was my absolute <sighs> favorite part of the show. Yo, just replace every curse with Sweet Christmas. Sweet be good. Christmas. Well, like ah oh, man, yeah. Um, so good, but no, yeah, like that stuff. I was like, "Yo, that that is dope," and that felt real to me, and that felt like that felt right. Uh, I thought like uh, towards the ending, I thought the I thought the last episode was kind of weak. I oh, thought you're that so right, end- you're so right on that. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it ended on an interesting note, and I have I had no problems with like the cliffhangers it left. Um, but like the 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 fight the fight scene and stuff that stuff was pretty weak to me. Like Luke Cage fighting. Uh, I don't know if the guy has a name. Diamondback, the villain. Diamondback. Well, yeah, fighting Diamondback. I don't know if he had like a like a comic name, like a supervillain name. Or no, anything. that's his Unless name. His name from just... the comic books is Diamondback. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, when he was fighting Diamondback and stuff, I thought that stuff was kind of weak, especially with, like with the crowd cheering him on and stuff. I thought that stuff was super yeah. cheesy. WorldStarHipHop.com. That stuff was way corny. Um, WorldStarHipHop.com. But... WorldStarHipHop. But also, like, the product placement for the 4K stuff was super cheesy to me, too. When was that? Because it's so, like, obvious. When was that? Um, it wasn't obvious to me. Really? Like, no. when the dude had his 4K camera and the, and the, guy, the kid, the dude oh, called up his friend. Yeah, like, when they started fighting, yeah. called up his friend. He was like, oh, man, bring your 4K camera. I, I, thought, was like, for real? I thought that was super meta and funny because I was like, oh, yeah, Netflix can do 4K now. And he's like, yo, yo, get the 4K camera, dude. Get the 4K camera. I was like, oh. If he said it once, I'd be fine with it. But he said it multiple times. I thought it was, like, okay, I thought it was hilarious stop. that this <laughs> dude on the street who was selling, like, essentially mixtapes was like, yo, I need to make sure that the camera quality is crisp on this yeah, fight exactly. video. I was, I I was, was like, like yeah. Nobody, nobody yes. in the hood cares about 4K. I can tell you that positively. Not, now they do. Like, now they do. <laughs> nobody. Now they do. But, like... Oh my That's god! That's the I was like, okay, it's whatever. But um, like we I go mean, to we go to World Star and we're like, wow, the videos are really crisp here. Wow, 4K, interesting. Okay, are they upscaling like, man, from 1080? What are they doing? Like, you know? Oh yeah. 
Oh my um, God. Once again, if you skip forward five minutes, skip forward skip, another five skip, minutes because skip, we're still talking skip Luke Cage. Skip 35 minutes. Skip 20 skip minutes. Skip 20 minutes. Go back just two minutes. Just skip forward go, until we're done talking with Luke Cage. I can't help you at this point because <laughs> we're just going to talk until we're done. Um, But no, I, actually, I like the later half of the season. I think possibly I more than I like the earlier half. No. Um, I didn't like it at all. Uh, well, the, let me, well, let me tell I you did, real I, quick a real interjection. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but... So I mentioned this to you before, and, and I think I might have mentioned it to Alex as well, Alex Van Aken. But uh, the beginning part of this show doesn't feel like a Netflix show, it, to me at least. It feels almost like mm-hmm. a stage play. The way some monologues are given and the way that it always cuts back to Harlem's paradise. And so, for example, mm-hmm. in the beginning part of the show, they'll have like Luke Cage at the barbershop, and then it'll cut to Harlem's paradise, and there will be a music number. And they'll focus, like, almost directly on the music number and then, like, people's reaction to the music number. And to me, that just feels like it was almost this, like, small, like, little intermission between what was going on. Like, these two scenes, like, the dichotomy between the barbershop, like, the haves and the have-nots. And then you see Cottonmouth on this, like, raised platform looking down, you know, and the shots were very interesting. It, it, it felt just distinctively different from anything else we've seen visually and formatting-wise on a Netflix show. And... Yeah. In the beginning part, before Luke, spoilers, obviously, goes to jail, like, there's, or the flashbacks to jail, um, it just fe- it felt so interesting to me, and it was so out of the norm, and I loved it. Like, it would, like, the, the scene we were talking about before with the Biggie poster, uh, with Jai Denna, Long Live the King, and he's going, Long Live the King, and then it cuts to Cottonmouth with the the center shot of him and then has the crown behind him. And he just has this like smug smile on. He's like, yes, this is my empire. I was like, this is Mm -hmm. so like, it tells you so much about the character. The song is relevant to what's going on, like a fight for power within Harlem and the visuals within Harlem's paradise are amazing. And it's funny because as the, the show progresses, you see those scenes get either cut off or they stop. Like there's one scene where there's a shootout in the paradise while like, while, uh, a performance is going on and for me that was it was an interesting thing because it, it it illustrated more chaos within the show but i was also those those were the things that i loved the most about it because again you said there's this homage to jazz and and hip-hop and 70s and 80s you know like that era and when those stopped i was mm-hmm. like ugh, like this show lost a bit of its soul to me like if they kept those like musical numbers going on that would have been great for me also the scene i think it was in uh, episode two or three where the uh, the young I don't know if he's like robbing him. I think a young man pulls a gun out on him in the park before he goes into the the little complex, uh, like mm-hmm. the the fortress, the Fort Knox, essentially. He, and then he does this like he does the most talking he'll ever do in the entire show, like this long form mo- monologue where like he's like I'll never let anyone call me that word again. You know this is this is my future. I'm fighting for my future. And then the kids behind him like what are you talking about? Like so confused. Yeah. Like that that felt like a play monologue. That didn't feel like a Netflix sort of thing, you know? Mm. No, that makes sense. I think that's really cool actually. Uh now hearing you explain it, I think it makes a lot more sense to me on why you think that. I think that actually is pretty spot on. Like it felt uh, like what did I call it? It was less like uh it was less like Luke Cage Netflix, it was more like Raisin in the Sun. It felt like very mm-hmm. like tonally different than anything else and i feel like that's why so many people enjoy luke cage even if they only enjoy the beginning it's because it's tonally different it's like I, the beginning is a stage mm-hmm. play the very end is a cheesy 1970s black exploitation movie even the ending is like 
And it turns out I beat the bad guy by not fighting back. See you later, sugar. Like, da 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 don't 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 Yeah. Like, it, it's... And it, it's, it becomes way more slapstick towards the end. It does. Like, uh, I have this written down in my notes, too. I love that, like, Daredevil's fight scenes are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do a double backflip. I'm going to kick this man through the door. I'm going to use these hallway scenes. And, like, half of Luke Cage's fighting scenes are, like... I sent it to you on Twitter, and I said, oh, no, we're shooting him. It doesn't work. All right, let's fight him. Oh, no, it didn't work. And then it's this Luke Cage, like, <laughs> lightly tapping everyone on the back of the head, like, smacking them upside the head like a 70s, like, like pootie tang, essentially. Yeah. And every time, without question, I laughed. Like, and I don't know if I was supposed to laugh, but, like, so many times the guy would be like, hey, man, what do you think you're doing? And then he just, like, slowly knocks out. Like, he just falls on the floor. And I was just like, oh, man, this is the best show I've ever seen. I like how that I I like how that um the episode with the guy holding the gun to his head I like how it started off with the ending because I feel like that's it's it's almost like a trope of of black films of like I guess you're wondering how I got how it got like this and then it like rewinds the start Rec- of the story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's that Twitter joke where it's like, hey, I, yeah, this is me. You're probably wondering how this happened. <laughs> and like it rewinds yeah. to the beginning of the film or whatever. Yeah, um, like it's like so nice. They basically did that, which I think that was pretty awesome. Like that was one of the parts where like it it felt more like it was it was more of an homage to black film or um, in in that in that sort of sense. I appreciated that part. Um, I think I personally liked the the later half because of the villain. Like I didn't really like Cottonmouth that much. What? Uh, yeah, what? like Cottonmouth. I really like his. I liked the acting for Cottonmouth. I didn't really like Cottonmouth's like motivations. He felt weak a lot to me a lot of the time. He felt like I. I he didn't. He didn't feel as menacing as he should have been. Uh, and this this could have been because. I accidentally started from episode six when I first started watching Luke Cage. Jesus Christ! And I got halfway through this because apparently what somebody else in my family was watching Luke Cage on you? Netflix, and so I turned on episode. I turned on episode six, think it was episode one. I got like halfway through, and I was like, "What is happening?" And then I stopped, and I was like, "Oh, this is episode six. But like within that first half, like Codmouth uh, shot the police officer dead, and like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That like, is, that's like a yeah. turn in the series, yeah. Yeah, and I and I was like, well, this guy doesn't seem like he he seems kind of reckless. He seems like he's not controlled, and I think I had that perception of him throughout like the the entire first half of the of the uh, the season. But even with that, like Diamondback, I really liked Diamondback um, because he felt more menacing because he felt more hardcore. I did like Diamond. I did like Cottonmouth's flashback that one episode um, where he's like playing the piano and stuff, and then like the his his mom goes ham. On on one of these other other kids and thought that that stuff was really cool, uh, but yeah, I mean as a whole, I I liked Luke Cage. Uh, I thought it was excellent. I don't know if I don't know how it compared to Dare, Daredevil because there are things I like about Daredevil. There's things I dislike, just like Luke Cage. There's things I like. There's things I dislike. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for the future. And I saw the Iron Fist trailer. That seems like it's gonna be hype. Uh, I don't even know who Iron Fist is. Oh, you know nothing about dope. him, really. I know nothing about him. Wow. Okay. I. Wow. Okay. I'm, I. I want to tell you something, but I. I. I don't. Do you know? <laughs> I'm he- ca- I kind of want to go into it blind. Do you know heroes I for hire? Jessica though. Jones, Do you know what that is? Blind. What? What? We Her- heroes for hire. Heroes for hire. Do you know what that is? No. So, I'm not going to tell you anything else about Iron Fist because Iron Fist is one of my favorite characters in like the Marvel like lower tier universe. Uh, mm-hmm. But essentially, heroes for hire which they're probably going to do after Defenders, is uh, Power Man and 
Iron Fist, and essentially it's Luke Cage and Danny Rand, who this character is, Iron Fist, working together as like bodyguards, essentially, or superhuman bodyguards. Hmm. And just imagine, imagine the like the difference in fighting style between this large six foot four black man and this tiny ass like skinny white dude with a glowing fist punching people like with crazy karate moves. The dichotomy. I mean, that is just sounds hilarious. cool. I mean, I the definitely watch it. That actually sounds dope. That's why I'm excited for Iron Fist, just because it it seems like it is gonna be more martial arts based. Yeah, uh, similar to Daredevil. And yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm excited for that. Uh, so that's the end of the Luke Cage spoiler. Oh, but section. wait, real quick. I don't. Real quick. Yeah, go ahead. So this is my last piece of it. I thought it was really interesting and really great that they used like Marvel media to kind of talk about important issues <clears throat> that are that are in America right now between the, the part about Luke being in jail and like being unjustly put in jail and ha- his treatment in jail. And then also the hoodie thing with, they mentioned Trayvon Martin in the series. I feel like uh, and also the, the struggle between the police and black people, especially in, in times mm-hmm. of high tension where police have to get results from their, like from their higher ups. I thought that was very interesting. And, and they were pivotal parts of the series, but there's one thing that kind of made me think and, there's a scene where a young, um, a young man in this in the show, like a young studious black male, is in the show, and he's been shown to be like this up and up and coming intelligent guy. His mother's a lawyer, and he gets beaten up in the precinct by a black man. And I think mm-hmm. I like in my head, like I, when I saw that, I was like, this was written to be a white guy. I like I was like this this was definitely changed in post. Like this was definitely like, mm, mm, we can't do that. That's not good. Like make make that guy mm-hmm. black instead, because again, I think thematically it does talk about the struggles of being black and like that community and their strife. There's even a scene where they start selling hoodies with bullet holes in them, like for solidarity, and the community stands up behind Luke Cage against the police. And you can see this like the undertones of this entire series, especially towards the back half of like the black struggle in general in America, and. As mm-hmm. someone who's watching this internationally and watching it with someone who is not from America, they're like, oh, like, what's going on that's making this, like, like is this really what's happening in America? And I'm like, I had to, unfortunately, tell someone, like, from another country, like, yeah, unfortunately it is. Minus the superheroes. Yeah, this is, like, very <laughs> similar to what's happening in America. No, they're superheroes. They're named Steve Jobs. Actually, he's dead. Never mind. What? But did, ahead, but did you on. feel that though? That same scene where did you that scene? Did you feel like originally that I, was written as a white guy, and then they were like, mm, "We're gonna get in a lot of trouble for that. Better make it into a, a black guy." I I mean I didn't get that vibe. Uh, I but I think I think they referenced it, referenced it like later on that like they I can't remember the exact dialogue, and I wish I could because it was very poignant. But like they they referenced like hey one one lady was was like upset and was saying like it's the police versus like the black people in the community. And I think she pointed to like either Missy stone or one of the black officers and said like, you're part of them because you're like, you're, you're an officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was something said to that extent. And I, and I, and I thought that was actually pretty like in- interesting and pretty like poignant because I, I, I do think that that is an interesting point that like, even, even as even being a black officer, um, or having black people as officers, that that doesn't necessarily mean that like they're, they they get they're not going to be part of yeah. the oppressor. Like or because I remember like even uh, when I was back home, when I was in Illinois, right, and I was hanging out on campus one time, and I had an officer like 
uh, pretty much assumed that I had weed in my car. I got stopped by an officer, and they assumed I had weed in my car and threatened to, like, search my car for weed and stuff. And he was a black officer, and he had no reason to think that I had weed in my car. And I didn't have weed in my car because I don't do drugs. Yeah. Uh, but, like, that's the, that part, that kind of thing happens. And, like, just because, like, it's a, it's a black officer on, on black person doesn't mean it's not it's not racist um, in a form. And so, like, I... And I don't know if the if the writers are being conscious of that, or maybe it was a thing of like, okay, well, if we make it a white officer, it'll be like too, too crazy, real. and too so real. yeah, it, pe- people people might get offended, and so we'll change it to a black officer. I don't know if that was the case. It could have been the case. It just um, felt like that to me. Like I was watching that scene, I was like, <clears throat> okay, like we see like seven videos a day of a white guy using too much force in, in that scenario, and like. In my head, I imagined there's one there's one character. The character that does that in the police station is an actor that we don't really see a lot during the show. Um, he's like mentioned like we see him one other time in the precinct. Um, he's mm-hmm. a larger black actor with uh, with a goatee. But there's one white police officer that they like make the he's like the center of like the police going nuts. He's like, no, they killed my partner. We need to get on this. This is important. They, they took his life. He was a good man. And I feel like they originally wrote him as the guy who beat up the kid because then that would have that like gives him intrinsic motivation because this his mm. his partner is dead he was his friend and then strangely enough you kind of get like this weird alternative motivation for him going nuts because like that's someone he cared about and like police officer or not that person is gone because of something that's happening in his community that he has no control over and then it kind of gives a weird alternative narrative to the like to that scene i guess but like we know nothing about this character that beat up this kid. Like we have not, we we don't even see him before that. Hmm. So, but it was. I mean, I think I it could be right. I I just saw yeah. that and I was like, as a white guy, I was like, mm, this was supposed to be something else. Wait a minute. And like, after you watch it, because I think I I mean I think I think he could be right, but maybe I wasn't paying attention to it at the point at the time. Yeah. Um, I just think it's interesting that we have different we, we have different like viewpoints, obviously, because we were born on completely yeah. different parts of like America. Like I I've been to Harlem before. I've worked in Harlem before. Like my dad works in Harlem sometimes. Like I I live in the Northeast. I grew up with hip hop mm-hmm. near New York. But you have I have that experience of this show, right? And I've like I have been to to Harlem and like clubs like that. And my friends live in Harlem and stuff. But like you are black and I am white, so like we get mm-hmm. completely different like. I guess portions of this show, I guess like I get like living in that area and like what it feels like for something to look and feel New York and Harlem. But you, I feel like maybe that's why you felt like it wasn't genuinely black. And I thought it was black enough, quote unquote. Like it was, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I could feel like the connections to it. You know what I mean? I, Yeah. And I think you're approaching it from like the, the themes that it touches on and, 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 and sort of like the messages that it touches on and, and the, 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 uh, the uh, police brutality stuff and like I'm, I'm i think i'm coming from it more from like an entertainment standpoint of like this show isn't really following in the footsteps of like martin or or any other like black show or movie um any spike lee film or, or whatever mm-hmm. like and I, I i i think we're both wrong uh, we're both wrong we're, i think we're both, think right, we're both wrong um, <laughs> in the perspectives we're coming from and so like yeah i, I mean i think that's that yeah um anything else on luke cage um I don't think so. It was it was just really good. I enjoyed it. Like, I don't know. I have like people asking me like, "Yo, like I know this is very like I have like I had one white friend ask me. He was like, "Oh, like am I going to like this? Like I I've heard that it's very steeped in black culture." I don't He's like from the middle of like California. Like he doesn't he's from like mm-hmm. wine country California. And he's like, "Oh, I don't really know much about hip hop or whatever. Am I going to like it?" And 
to answer that question, yes, you will like it because it's it's very relevant to what's going on today. It's a good show, and the acting is better than I think it was better than most. And I don't think there's a single character that I disliked in that show. Hmm. Yeah. Also, by the nice. way, speaking of you, you watched Martin growing up. Guess what show I watched growing up? And this this is this Fresh is the, Bel-Air? no this is this is like oh. my only I like to consider myself free of most like white people moments like wearing polos Full calling House. people Chad. Well, yes, but no. There's one show Which specifically. Which is an amazing show. I love Full House. There's one specific show that that like that I like go to the DMV and I give them my white card and they give it back to me like, "Yo, you're good." <laughs> Guess what show it what is? What show is that? Is it a uh, It's not the Cosby show cuz white people watch I the Cosby show. I love the Cosby show. The Cosby show was amazing. I I had I watched like probably 10 hours of that show when I had my appendix taken out in the 5th grade. Well, that's a story. That's that that we'll hear later. Oh, it was the worst. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you the story another time. What, what what show did you watch? Saved by the Bell. Oh, Saved by the Bell was my jam. That shit is the whitest Saved whiteness ever. Saved by the Bell was, was amazing. That that made Mario Lopez from from a Spanish dude to a white dude in one season. Oh, dude. I mean, I watched The Price is Right, which is like... Dude, you watched I, the PIR? I, I you watched the PRR? You're in that Dude, shit? The Price is Right was that jam. I used to watch that every single morning. Hey, let's go. Yeah. I actually never watched um, it, but that's, that is a very white person show to watch. It is. I had another complaint about about Luke Cage that I forgot about. Um, I was going to bring up, but I forgot about it again, and so I guess I guess it wasn't that important. Yeah. Any more questions uh, about Luke Cage? Just, just I don't know. So but yeah, wait, but real Lesson quick. Lesson Junior uh, and why not? Yeah. But no, I don't know. Diamondback was one note. Was one note. Luke's powers get gimmicky. They kill their most interesting character. Final fight was strange and felt out of place. Felt like an ending to an anime and not a Marvel show. Pacing is weird. Great intro hook to draw people in, but it's very bad towards the second half of the series. That is my my well, long form negatives go. on the show. There you go. Uh, as far as what I've been up to this week, and I'll go through it quickly because we got to get into our next stuff. But um, I played Transformers Devastation. Also, only played like an hour of it, but it seems really fun. Hey. I really enjoyed it. Oh wait, uh, wait real quick. Played... Wait real quick. Yeah. <laughs> okay, tell me, have you used any of the gauntlet weapons in that game yet? Like the fist. I don't know what, the fist I don't know what that means. I don't know what that okay, means. Okay, so la- is that like <laughs> later in the game you get weapons that are? It's literally just like your hands essentially. And if mm-hmm. you and if you play with Bumblebee, I, I was texting my friend about this the other day, and I said that game went from like a hack and slash to a uh, you you trying to catch these hands simulator. <laughs> where literally you're just really, beating up robots with your fist and you're like uh 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 like it's it's hilarious to me so please go back and use gauntlets instead of any other weapon and you will be playing you want to catch these hand simulator i want to pl- i want to go back and play some more because i really like at the end of the combo you press r1 you then turn into a car yeah. and then crash into your enemy that kind of st- i was like dude this makes no sense but it, it's it's really refreshing and it reminds me of playing games on like ps2 mm. or something like that and i mean that in a good way yeah like it was very fun uh so i played some of that i played i've been playing banjo kazooie i haven't really gotten that far into it mm-hmm. uh but i was kind of playing it for this podcast because my topic has to do with rare games uh and I guess I'll get into that later, but Banjo Kazooie, I've been doing that. I made a new logo for the website. Yeah, it looks same, great, dude. Mazel Same beast, different letters, and I mean, I, I condensed it a little bit more. Um, and so I kind of got inspired. And so OK Beast has a new look. Not the website. The web- website still looks the same, but new logo and stuff, graphic. Uh, finished Luke Cage. Um, and I uploaded uh, on Wednesday a new episode of The People featuring Eric Thompson, a very nice fellow. We talked a lot about God. Uh, very interesting episode, so I recommend people ch- uh, check it out. Eric Thompson is basically like Jared Petty 
if like Jared Petty had hair on top of his head also. Hmm. Um, and so there you go. Check that out. But let's get into topics because I said I played Banjo Kazooie, and there's a reason for that. My topic is what makes the N64 Rareware games so good. Uh, and I'm also doing this topic kind of in the continuance of the celebration of N64's 20th anniversary. And so, uh, but I wanted to throw that out there because I'm a very big fan of Jet Force Gemini. Like, I'm a huge fan of Jet Force Gemini. And every time I play that game, I become a bigger fan of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been playing it a lot lately. Like, within the last week, uh, I played it again, and I got a, a little bit more than halfway through it. Um, and man, that game is so good and so fascinating. Um, but also, I'm a very big fan of Donkey Kong 64. Um, GoldenEye, well, not really GoldenEye. I played The World Is Not Enough. Uh, which is the other 007 game on N64, but it's a sequel to GoldenEye, essentially. Uh, and yeah, like rare rare games in general are remembered pretty fondly by people, and so I wanted to get into that. Um, why do we think rare games are so good? Um, Ian, what do you think? So, why I think rare games are good. So I wrote a little thing here, and I said that the I feel I mean I'm reading off what I said just so you know. I feel like the crux of rare games were the characters. Their characters had personality and sass to their dialogue. I feel like purely from a design standpoint, they were doing this interesting counter movement to the normal mascot characters, especially with Conquer. And each of their games had at least one to three memorable characters. I loved playing the dog in Jet Force Gemini, and that made me latch onto that game. So at the time, or at least from what I remember, there were these characters that were very like one note like in like a mascot character s sort of thing like mario from nintendo like other games in the n64 wait mario's one note yeah mario had personality i homie. i'm saying in comparison to the the rare games like there was just something special about those games that like made them man different. if you said crash i could be like right oh fine sure, then right, yeah, yeah maybe maybe crash mario, too though? i'm n64 mario you think that he had a range of emotions was mario sad Mar- Mario does, was Banjo sad. Like, Ma- Mario, I think Banjo breaks the fourth when, wall. When, their their di- characters break break the fourth wall all the time. There was just something they do. They do do that. There was just something different um, about it. There's something just inherently more like adult and more nuanced about <laughs> those characters. And like mm-hmm. they weren't afraid to be weird and gross. And like that's kind of why I enjoyed them and like latched onto them. And like again, like I said, like the dog in Jet Force Gemini, like being able to play as a, a as a dog, like. I was like, we're scrolling through the multiplayer options, and I'm like, all right, boy, whatever, girl, whatever, dog, all right. Like, with a dog, with a with a gun strapped to his back yeah. and a jetpack on his yeah. feet. Like, come on, son. That was amazing. You can't, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess they made this stuff up, but like, yeah. But man, yeah, it just feel it felt like a weird like counter movement to normal characters. It was like, all right, every other character seems to be like, all right, I'm a happy, woo, I'm jumping, but the like. Everything about Rare was like, okay, we're going to take that and we're going to make it weird. Like, we're going to have a bird in your backpack and we're going to have a talking bear. And, like, the weird Animal Crossing before Animal Crossing dialogue of, like, blah, 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 blah. Like, it, mm-hmm. there was just so much personality and it. it was really interesting to me. And I feel like that's why they resonated with people. And that's why games like Ukulele now are resonating with people because there was just something inherently, like, just different and unapologetically different about it. Hmm. I think for me, uh, going back and playing rare games, I think there's something very striking about the gameplay that some people don't like really notice. And I feel like many people don't actually notice because 
I've, I've been playing Jeffrey's Gemini, right? And what strikes me off the bat is, one, it's a third-person shooter on the N64, which you just didn't get. Uh, and I think the controls are weird, which kind of turned a lot of people off to it. But you could change the controls in the settings, which I think a lot of people missed also because the game defaults to what they call expert controls and then you can you can go into the settings and change from expert to normal controls is a weird thing um but i remember playing it and being like this is a weird game with a story that's there like story isn't the most fascinating story but it's still it's still somewhat interesting being you're this girl guy and puppy on the spaceship I means the spaceship gets taken over and so you guys escape and who trained? Who trained that dog? By the way, dude, who knows? They trained him really well though, because he's still a puppy and he knows what to do. He knows how to do his thing. And apparently, I think that dog can also kind of talk. Because I got I got into a dialogue session with like an NPC, and I was like, does he understand what this dog is saying? <laughs> uh, and so I thought that was very interesting. But yeah, like the 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 game starts off you go to these different planets and you make your way towards the center planet and each character sort of has like the route they take like they have they each character goes to three different planets and or a uh, spaceship or whatever towards this planet in the center which is essentially a palace for the main villain of the game and one thing i noticed also is that the game feels like it has scope when you're playing it like you're traveling the galaxy and it kind of gave me No Man's Sky vibes, except No Man's Sky, of course, is like billions and billions of planets. Uh, meanwhile, this is probably like 12 or something. Hmm. But like you're you're traveling to different planets, going to different spaceships. And the the crux of the game is it's like shooting and like you're sh- you're shooting all these aliens that look like giant insects. Like the main the main aliens you're shooting are like ants. And then there's like these beetle things and there's these weird weird different kinds of insects in giant form that you're shooting um but like what it does with its world and presenting a a very interesting world and 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 sort of building building up like a a lore that isn't it's not like necessarily like super fleshed out but it's there and it's like it's it's so different and so interesting and fascinating to me uh i think that stuff is is pretty cool um, also, there's like a lot of unlockables in that game, uh, which I thought was cool. What attracted me towards Donkey Kong 64 is, again, how big that world feels and how big that world kind of is. Um, I mean, not the world necessarily itself, but like the amount of things you can do in that world. And Donkey Kong 64 has, I don't know how many levels exactly, but it has quite a few levels. But when you go into those levels, there's a bunch of different things you can do and collect and with each character there's a bunch of different things you can do collect with each different character uh and it almost feels like checkbox the game of oh i'm gonna go to the i'm gonna go talk to this guy i'm gonna collect this thing from him i'm gonna bring it back to him i'm gonna explore what's inside this cave i'm gonna go check it out um and rare games do exploration better than like any other game i played Hmm. because they just they just throw you into this world and they're like hey Here's a world, explore it, see what you can figure out, see what you can do. DK64 was made by Rare too, right? Yeah. Um, Again, those characters had so much personality. Yeah, they did. Hmm. The game starts off with a rap session. Yeah. Uh, We're finally (laughs) here. Something. Yeah, it was just like a really like corny ass rap, but it was awesome. Yeah. DK64 is amazing. And like, once again, it has this, it has this in common with Jeff Gemini of like 
they they push you into a world and they're like hey explore it jeff Rush gemini opens up in a way halfway through the game where like the whole game to a point is very linear and it's telling you exactly where to go and exactly what to do and you play it and then halfway through the game you face the main boss of the game and after that boss fight the whole dynamic of the game changes and then um the paths that each individual character took towards that middle planet the game then says hey the characters that you have they can go to any planet that you want also like we're giving them ultra armor which is really cool they turn the puppy dog into a tank which is crazy to me interesting uh yeah they gave him like a tank outfit and (laughs) when you when you do your jetpack thing with the dog his his tank wheels uh open up to the side and the jetpack comes out of the bottom it's so awesome uh, but no, no, the the game opens up and then says, "Hey, any of these characters can go to any of these planets." And so then you have to remember, like, okay, what have I done in these planets, and what could I not get to when I was going through these planets? Because each of the individual characters have special abilities, and so like you go back to the planets that you've already explored and try to figure out, okay, what did I not do? What was I not able to do? And the game just turns into a game of like explore, figure things out, have fun. Uh, in the Donkey Kong 64, it does the same thing. I'm playing Benjo Kazooie currently, and it feels like it does the same thing. Of like, it, th- it throws you into a level, and it tells you, "Hey, explore." And Mario 64 kind of did did that kind of similar thing, except like when you jump into a level in Donkey Kong 64, you have an objective. It tells you what to do um, for that run of that level. In Banjo, in DK 64, in Jet Force Gemini, the game throws you in and is like, "Hey." do whatever and i think that's a really cool and really novel thing to do because it then it then allows you to experience the world in a way that you don't in other games it allows you to like go in and test things out and i was playing the other day and i was just stuck trying to figure out how do i defeat like this shell monster in the in the second level of banjo kazooie and i tried everything and I got to a point where I was like, okay, if I use the flying ability, I can fly on top of a shell and then use the jump um, Z to do like the ground pound on top of a shell and that should kill him. And I tried it. It didn't work. And I almost gave up. But then a guy in the chat was like, hey, use your peck attack and peck his face with Kazooie. And I did oh, it. Yeah, and it worked. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. And it was that simple. Um, but they allowed me to they allowed me to mess with it and they allowed me to like think hard and figure it out. And that's the kind of thing I miss. And I miss like... I miss sitting down and just spending my time with the game and being like, okay, what do I do? How do I figure this out? Um, and just having fun with it that way. So I think that is a is sort of a huge part of what made the Rare games interesting to people and fun to people. Um, I think they ignited the conversations of like, hey, what did you do on this level? How did you figure this thing out? What did you do here? Because they were complicated in the way that they were designed, but they're complicated in a way that the the fun of the game comes from experiencing the world and figuring things out and so uh that's my piece on rare i don't know if you have anything else to to put in no i just love rare and again i'm a huge sucker for character design and interesting characters and i feel like during that time in the n64 where i was still i don't even know how to say it like not addicted to games but like games were such a pivotal part of my life i think even more Mm -hmm. like games are important to me now obviously because i look at them with a more critical eye but back then it was just this i was just so elated whenever i would get a new game on my n64 i'd pop it into the cartridge and it became like this weird experience where it was just me like oh i made this joke about my family before the podcast and they're very different from me so like when i was drawing in my room or when i was downstairs in the basement doing this stuff like it just became like my 
personal thing. And, I don't know, it just became, like, my home away from home. So those games feel very homey to me, very interesting to me, and they make me think of a different time. So I love Rare games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the characters in the Rare games are awesome. Uh, And I I think those cutscenes are also pretty underrated because, like, they did they did things that a lot of other games didn't do in that era. Uh in the dialogue was smart, like you said, and and, and yeah, the char- the characters really had character to them. Ian, what's your topic? Oh, my topic. Uh so uh, I mentioned that what are you doing? Are you just throwing boxes around? Okay. Uh so <laughs> this is going to be the the best bit ever, like whenever she's here when this is happening. So, speaking of the person who's throwing boxes around my apartment, uh since I recently started this new relationship, I thought that we should do a topic about video game relationships. So I wanted to ask you what the best video game relationships, romantic or otherwise, were. And I just put examples in the bottom. Mario and Luigi, Drake and Sully, Samus and Ridley. What, what do you think is the best video game pairing? So when I originally saw the topic, I thought it was my favorite video game relationships. And I think or it's you a can do whole favorite. You can do favorite, too. You can do favorite. Because my favorite... Because, like... I've said this before on the podcast, I think, but I'm very big on relationships in games and media in general, movies, TV, whatever. I think that's what makes um, whatever entertainment media the most interesting is how the characters interact and stuff. And so, like, what first came to mind was Chloe and um, Max. That's oh, right, yeah, right? yeah. Chloe and Max. Yeah. From. Yeah. In Life is Strange. Life is Strange. Yeah. They, they had an yeah. interesting relationship. And the the rape the the game the whole game is about the relationship, uh, which I thought was awesome. And even like at the uh, I won't spoil it, but like towards the end, like the the game kind of circles back around in the game where it does become about like their relationship and how they interact and and what they mean to each other, and then like choosing based on that. Um, I think the I think that relationship uh, is what made that game one of my favorite games. Um, that yeah, like their whole deal was awesome. Uh, I had another one in my head. Oh, wait, did you have, do you have, because you have a list here already, right? No, those, you were, have Mario those, were, those were just examples of like, those when you examples? think of like, yeah, like when you think of like, okay, typical, like what, again, what are you doing? What are you, oh, she's like putting trash away. Like, again, the sound from my, the audio of the mic is picking up way more than normal. So I'm hearing her do something like on the other side of the room and I'm like, what in the world are you, like, are you killing something over there? Uh, but you got to yell at her in Japanese. Yamero! I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She just gave me the dirtiest look. Oh, my God. She just gave me the dirtiest look. Um, so, my favorite relationships in games, again, are one... Kind of similar to what you said with Max and, um, and Chloe. And essentially, the games that just add more to the story or more to, like, what you're playing. Um, and what the... Oh, she's cleaning something. Again, it sounds like something is, like, my maybe it's my headphones or something, but it's, like, it's freaking me out. Uh, so oh, yeah. my most recent games that I played are Persona and Pokemon, and I feel like my favorite video game relationships uh, are... Dang it. Yeah, sorry. sorry. I was going to say Persona. Ah, well, okay. And now you're well, taking that away from me. My relationship probably isn't the relationship you think it is. So my favorite relationship actually okay. is between, in Persona 4, Kanji and Naoto. Hmm. And I think... Interesting. Yeah, and, like, they have like uh the duo combo attack together and also it's strange because like they both are like struggling with sexual identity and like gender Mm -hmm. identity and like 
some people interpret their their relationship as romantic. Others, like, respond to that relationship as a more, like... By the way, we should say um, Persona spoilers. Oh. Well... But, yeah, go ahead. I mean, if you don't know anything <laughs> about the game, whatever, anyway. That, it, comes, it comes into play way, way later in the game. But when these there are two characters kanji and naoto and some people think it's a romantic relationship others think it's like more of a solidarity thing where, where they're both struggling with the same problem on different spectrums so that's why they're they become close and they become friends or more friendly than others in the in the in the anime or in the in the game so that's one that's one of my favorites and then pokemon my my favorite relationship is actually uh red and blue or ash and gary because it because okay. it kind of illustrates this like interesting like have you ever seen uh, like Naruto or like any shonen uh, anime or manga? I mean, I've seen Dragon Ball Z. Okay, so actually, that's the perfect example as well. It's it's very prototypical. So red, red and blue, or Ash and Gary, uh, like follow this shonen uh, like character art formula. Uh, mm-hmm. And so okay, shonen is like shonen jump. Shonen is yeah. manga or anime for boys because there's shonen and shojo. Shonen means young boy cool yeah okay so yeah <laughs> i was like i can't tell if i'm boring you or if you're just listening um i kind of already know these ah okay these i didn't i didn't know because most people don't know so uh so essentially red is goku and blue is vegeta like vegeta super cocky but talented like rival that when you overcome they become your friend that's kind of like the relationship that red and blue have where it's like, oh, smell you later. Like, the person who is, mm-hmm. like, the main character and that person who's, like, destined to be great. You know, Blue, who is, yeah. who's related to P- Professor mm-hmm. Oak, is this, like, very skilled trainer. Trilled, like, you know, just a good... It's, it's actually Red who's related to Professor Oak. Just saying. No? In my version of the oh, game. Oh, I was like, oh, I was, like, doing the <laughs> canon one. I was like, wait, what? But... Wait, is that not canon? He's called Red. In the main, in like the mainline manga, he's called Red. Oh, and then cool! Blue I didn't realize there was, was a manga for it. Well, yeah, there's like there's a, a manga and there's uh, the anime. Yeah, okay. And I think it, I think in the game actually as well in Pokemon Gold when you go and meet, there's a, a scene where you can go and meet him on top of Mount Silver. His name is Red. Oh, okay. Which, that makes sense. Which is weird. I, okay. Like, they they made one version of those two games canon, and the other one not canon, like alternate universe essentially. Anyway. It's almost like Deus Ex, Mankind Divided. Kind of. It's just, they're, they're the same game. They're in the same universe. Yeah. Okay. So wh- who but, did you uh, say? You said I'm, Max and Chloe. I said Red and Blue and also yeah. Kanji and Naoto. I was, yeah, I was also going to say um, uh, Joel and Ellie in The Last of Us. Ah, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah, yeah, very yeah. iconic. And like, I mean, I think that's best video game relationships. Um, not even just my favorite. I think that's just, that's just best in general. Yeah. Uh, as far as my favorite, also, I think in Persona, you the main character. Um, I mean, I guess essentially like all your social links. Yeah. Because the that that's the whole game that is about relationship building and building relationships, and that's what connects you to the world. Mm. Um, and 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 that's sort of what the game kind of relies on to to push you forward and keep you interested and keep you invested. And I think they do a good job of that. I think that that stuff was pretty cool. Um. Yeah, I can't think of I can't think of any other ones off the bat, but those are the ones that come to mind immediately for me. There you go. There we go. All right, let's move into viewer questions because we're kind of getting late in the podcast, and I gotta go because my sister just got here and she's gonna be making some noise. 
And so oh, that's cool. You can just start Chase talking Williams. to random people in the other room as well. It can be just a, a multi-tiered yeah. bit where it just goes on way too far. We need we need to just change the name of this podcast to talking to others. Or then we can have a we can have another like a uh, uh, another podcast called uh, OK Beast Other, and then we'll have my girlfriend and your sister have a podcast, and we have no control over it, and they just have their own conversation. <laughs> that would actually be pretty hilarious. Oh my god! Uh, Chase Williams asks at Bodacious Chase on Twitter. He asks. What are some of your favorite games outside of video games? E.g. sports, board games, etc. Mm. Ah. Well, I really oh like man. Settlers of Catan. I love that game. Yeah, I think that's Dude, a really fun game. Let's play it. Let's play it. Right now. Oh, Podcast over. Yeah. Cut to black. I'll fly to Japan. No, well, I'm, Settlers, Settlers of Catan coming. is really fun. I plan on coming to America again. Just like uh, coming to America again sounds like sounds like the sequel to Coming to America. Ooh, that sounds. We should make that Kickstarter Coming to America again, starring me. That'd be pretty dope. As Eddie Murphy. Um, I also like soccer. Yeah. Really? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I love soccer. I play a lot of FIFA. Oh, um, okay. Shout out to I only, Chase. I only play a lot of FIFA because I'm not athletic. <laughs> Shout out to Chase for having me learn new things about blessing. There you go. Uh, uh, my favorite hey, games outside of video games. Uh, well, I did swimming for for eight years. I competed at the college level, and then I did soccer for ten years, and then I did that at a semi national level. So, I guess I like those. I don't know. My favorite. <sighs> this is hard. Boy, yeah, I've always wanted to play D and D, and I've never played it, but I've always always wanted to because I feel like I'm. I've always like, wanted the to play it. Perfect, but I'm like I'm like frightened of like the. I'm fine of the idea of becoming like a, a super nerd, you know. I don't care at this point. Like I'm nerdy enough, dude. Like let's one day, me, you, and Alex, let's do a digital game of D D D D and D, Dungeons, Dragons, and whatever the. <laughs> la- I was gonna, I was gonna say a very you know what that last profane. D is. Yeah, I'm trying to keep it. I'm <laughs> trying to keep it back on this episode. I'm trying to be like my man Luke Cage and not curse and do any profanity. Dungeons, Dragons, then, and Sweet Christmas. Then Sweet Christmas, exactly. Uh, so I would say oh, sports, yeah. swimming swimming and uh soccer because i did this for so many years and competed for so many years and then board game i guess i'll do i don't know man shogi do you know what shogi is or no i've never heard of that it's like a japanese version of chess sort of i also like Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh is my jam son. i fell off of, i fell off of Yu-Gi-Oh, like the card game um when i was like 11 because i moved to nigeria and, and lost my cards they weren't playing that in but, nigeria they were using the special nigerian decks <laughs> the Nigerian decks, they have like a trap card that's called political corruption. Himanshu um, Tawar has topical. a question. <laughs> oh no, man! At at Himanshu, or no, at Senior Brown Cat is his Twitter actually. But he asks, on a scale of one to ten, how much do memes suck? Zero. I'd give it a strong seven. What? Because a lot of times they're cool. They're they're outplayed now. I I think that's what a meme memes is. Memes are cool. What? That's what memes are. I feel like memes are. I don't That's know. I, I feel like I'm a part of a community when I understand a meme. Like, like, I, like, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, when when I like get a joke, an inside joke. Like, when the Lucio and Dat Boy connection came out, I was like, ah, I get that. I get that reference. Like, it, it becomes like this weird. Like thing where you become a part of a community by understanding this joke, and that's that's why I think zero for memes. Like some memes are garbage, but I think video game memes are funny because they. That's like our community. Memes yeah. are only as good as the I community think, you assign them to. I was gonna say I think I think popular memes are are what ruin them because like the Harambe stuff. I don't you dare talk I, about my man's Harambe like that. 
I, I, well, here's the thing. Like, the, for the first, like, however long I couldn't take Harame memes, I just, I just now started to, like, start to find them funny within the last week. Before that, I was like, I can't take these Harame memes. The people are just pushing them, um, and, like, and, and overblowing them. But, like, the last week, I, I think I saw one Harambe meme that, like, pushed over the edge for me where I was like, okay, that's pretty funny. And then since then, I, I, I found Harambe memes to be all right. But, yeah, I do I do agree with you in the sense that, like, memes, by definition, they are things that, like, kind of evolve with the time. So I guess it's hard for memes to get overplayed because they are, by definition, like, funny stuff in the moment, inside jokes. Like, once something once something is outplayed, it's no longer a meme. Hmm. Um. I used to be hardcore on memes, though. Like, before memes were a thing, I used to go to this website called knowyourmeme.com, which I'm sure people probably are familiar with now. But, like, back in high school, like, in 2007, 2008, I used to hit up Know Your Meme, and, and I used to be, like, I, I, I used to spruce up on my meme. My meme game was, was strong. Hmm. Uh, but I think I, I, I kind of grow, grown up to the point where, like, the internet, internet humor has kind of been lost on me, at least to a certain point. And so, like, the... 4chans and like the those kinds of image boards i just can't do it for me anymore uh mm. but i think popular memes kind of suck but like the 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 more low-key memes i think are still can can still be pretty funny mm. a good meme is pretty is pretty nice every now and then a nice meme is, is nice every now and then a meme a day keeps the doctor away you got it adam bren at bren ramp bren rambles asks over, Oversnatch, discuss. Oversnatch? Are you familiar with what this is? Is this Overwatch porn? Yes. Oh, you know, uh, I've been but on it's, that grind it's, for a it's while. It's a live action one. It. It's, it's, it's not the 3D animation one. It's live action, professionally made. Uh, it's a parody. I'm into it. The trailer is insane. Oh, wait, uh, there's a trailer? There is a trailer, and this trailer is insane. It's like Reaper... It's like imagine imagine just a big dude, big hairy dude, dressed up as Reaper, and a lady that's Widowmaker, and they're doing what you think you're do- they're doing. Uh, it's pretty magnificent. It's 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 pretty good. I the name I feel like is a little bit a little bit uninspired. Like I feel like they could have done. Oh, a I'm better sorry. Name. The porn title is uninspired. Jeez. Well, you know what? It's 2016. Like people are more witty in 2016 than they were in 2010 or 2000. Whenever you started. Whatever browsers became a thing or whatever. Like I, I feel like I feel like there are better names out there, you know? Maybe. I, I don't know. I think you're overestimating like over... the creativity the creative spark in the porn industry, but I don't know. Heroes never prematurely I don't know. Like I, I feel like the, I feel like there are there there are directions they could have gone with the name that could have been better. Maybe. Uh but yeah, next question comes from the homie Frankie at Frankie Godoy. I hope I pronounced that right. It sounds like I'm not pronouncing that right. But he asks, what video game has the most satisfying food? The most satisfying food? What do you mean? Like your whatever your, I have char- no idea what what your character eats? It's a good question. Hmm. Most. Hmm. It's a very good question. I have no I, idea. I best food in a game. I guess I'm trying to think of the last games that I played that had food. Persona has food with, with Solid the uh, three with the you go to the noodle shop. You can eat snakes. Mm. Wait, noodle shop and where? In Persona. 4. Oh yeah, I guess Persona Persona Four does have good food, like the the Aya bar. 
the Chinese Chinese place oh, in Persona speaking, 4. Speaking of food and speaking of Persona, uh, I'm playing Persona 5 now, and um, and there's a one of the main things, no spoilers, obviously, but it's in the intro cinematic where you go to... Mm-hmm. Uh, when you go to your like main hub area you, you like your version of your room is in a cafe called cafe leblanc and that's based off of a real cafe in japan and i went there yesterday oh cool how was it did it look exactly the same looks the exact same that's pretty dope yeah it's very strange but uh, i'm trying to think of other foods what i don't i was gonna say you can, you can eat snakes in in snake eater <laughs> so like I, I in guess. fact, like the fact that it plays into the name like that, and I don't know why I'm just noticing it. Um, yeah, that might be my answer. The snakes in Metal Gear Solid Three, Snake Eater. I yeah, like because I can't think of any them. like other foods. Like maybe like in like old school like games like Final Fight and like those beat 'em ups where you eat the chicken off the ground. Oh, that's a good point. Or like oh no, Teenage Mutant Ninja the Turtles, pe- the arcade game. Yeah, I was gonna say the pizza, pizza. in yeah. Ninja Turtles. Yeah. always looked um, very appetizing. Agreed. So that's my answer. The pizza and TMNT. I feel like I had one other answer, but I can't. Oh, the, are, do the mushrooms in Mario count as food? Or are those drugs? I think they're drugs. Well, all right, then. The cake in Mario 64. Ooh, yeah, when you finish the game? Yeah. yeah. Or the, No, the cake in Portal. What am I doing? The cake in Portal. That's my answer. Okay. I'm going, the, I'm going with the pizza and TMNT. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, that's... that's that's pretty much the end of the show uh remember that okay beast is a brand dedicated to games culture and looking at how games fit within our culture the okay beast podcast is a gaming centric show where a couple of friends come together and talk about what's going on in our world if you like that subscribe to us on your podcast service of choice visit okbeast.com and follow at okbeast now on twitter make sure to rate us on itunes and check out our youtube ian do you have any last words do i have any last words mm, oh not less words, but a final statement. Uh, this week, I'm sending you and all my internet buddies uh, postcards, and I, I wrote you guys nice letters. Did you Did you send me um, any ramen? No, I'm just sending you the postcard. Man. And if I find anything random Man. during the week, I'll find I'll send that too. Man, I thought we were I thought we were friends. We, I thought. Do you want me to send really you something cool. else? But you ain't sending me no rom. No, I'm I'm kidding, dude. That's here. actually pretty awesome. But, uh, so I'm excited for. I'm please be excited for it. It's, it's pretty dope. Um, but please on be that excited. on that note of appreciation, uh, turn to someone that you like this week or your friend and say, "Hey, man, you do good. You do good work." And just be nice to your friends and say thank you. That's that's my final words for this podcast. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's very nice. Try and leave on a good note. Good. I feel like I feel like I, I feel like I could have done better this podcast. I feel like I was tired, and I feel like it showed. No. You did good. It's been a long work day. Really? I'm, yeah. I'm about to start my work day. Oh, yeah, that's true. In fact, we should, we should probably get off because you're, you're probably late for work now, aren't you? Nah, I'm chilling. Nah, but, you're chilling. But anyway, I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. All right, see you guys next episode. Bye-bye. Love you guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>